0: Brad, for the first time ever in the Bones and Brad era, we're on YouTube, baby.
1: Yeah, that's a problem for me. I was able to hide behind, I guess, the audio-only feature, and now people see how I look. The uh, the Oz is yeah.
0: revealed from the curtain. Yeah. Um, for audio listeners, this is not exciting. But uh, you know what else is not exciting is Tucker Dordovic breaking our hearts and going to the rival Georgetown Hoyas.
1: Yeah, and the last time Syracuse played Georgetown, you and I were both there. It didn't go very well in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We're also going to take a look at basketball and football, take a look
0: at the recruiting trail on both sides. It's all on Locked On Syracuse, and it's right now. You are Locked On Syracuse,
1: your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Matt Bonaparte and Brad Klein with you on Locked On Syracuse. Brad, it's good to be back with you after the long weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was fun to, uh, you know, at least enjoy my freedom a little bit. I think I was more excited for the no bones time than you were for the no Brad (laughs) time, but regardless.
0: It hurts. Don't won't lie, it hurts. Uh, But, you know, we come back to some heartbreaking news, as I alluded to. Tucker Dordovic, man. I mean, so let's follow this timeline a little bit. We're talking men's lacks here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Uh, and by the way, thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Brad, so the timeline here goes, Dordovic, he decides he's going to transfer, which already I think a lot of Syracuse fans took as a shock because next year, Dordovic coming back, there's some faith that you can put behind that lacrosse team despite a pretty dismal year. Uh, So he decides to transfer. I think myself and a lot of other people decided to deal with that news as, all right, you know, he's been on the same team with the same guys for five years. His roommates are all gone. It's going to be his sixth year with the program. Kind of makes sense for him to want a little bit of a change of scenery. Uh, Someone said to me, he's a business major. Why not try and go get a great degree somewhere? Fine, sure. Then, we hear that the two top schools are likely Maryland or Georgetown. I don't know about you, Brad. I would have rooted for the heck out of him at Maryland. I would have been pumped for him as a Terp uh, and wanted him to succeed. Well, it must've been the first
1: round of the NCAA tournament two years ago when he got really excited about Maryland or Georgetown because they lost to Georgetown pretty handedly, I might add on the campus of college park in Maryland. So maybe it's just a, just an ironic thing there, but, no, I mean, it would have been a lot easier to root for Tucker Dordovic uh, for Maryland than it is for Georgetown. And the honest truth is, Syracuse, Georgetown, and lacrosse is a rivalry, and it's not. There's not the same history, that's for sure, than there is in basketball. But it still stings. But but you know what? I get it. Tucker Dordovic has been at Syracuse for five years. He's like ancient at this point and will be even more ancient at the end of his Georgetown run. But... You know what? All power to them. And I think a lot of people are skeptical when they hear athletes make decisions based off of academics. But this one makes a lot of sense. Go get a grad degree somewhere yeah. else, especially in a sport like lacrosse, where there probably is a pro future for Tucker Dordovic, but it's not a multi-million dollar future like there is for some of the football players, some of the basketball players. So build for the future. Go get a degree somewhere else. I would have done it. I get it. And he's older now. He doesn't want to be at Syracuse for the rebuild that will need to
0: happen. Yeah. So you talk about the rebuild. Uh, Syracuse lacrosse, right now, at least men's lacrosse, just put up its worst season in I don't even know how many years, uh, alongside the worst season in the Jim Beheim era. And. In- basketball, and then, of course, another terrible football season. So men's athletics really not you know doing all that great right now. But, uh, yeah, this is a rebuild. that's probably going to take a couple of years. I don't think that that team's going to be all that much better next year. They will be better. You're not going to lose the last six games on the schedule likely. But I don't know how much better they're going to be. And I think it is the right decision for Dordovic to go to greener pastures. But Georgetown hurts, dude. It really hurts, and it's just kind of a middle finger in the faces of all the fans, uh, Syracuse has. And, and if you're asking if he wants a degree, why doesn't he go to a, a, an Ivy like Yale or something like that? Ivy teams don't do grad programs, so he doesn't have that option as a graduate student to go over there and make that decision. Do I respect the choice to go to Georgetown and try and get a good degree? Sure. Does it still sting and is kind of a spit in the face from Tucker? Absolutely, uh, especially a guy that Brad. Was on campus before you and I were in the fall of 2018, and he would have uh, and,
1: and, and he would have been there longer.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he kind of outlasts our college careers in a way. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Do you think though that if he came back next season, they would have been all that much better? I think that he would have been, been to better, watch, yeah. but I don't think would have been, been better, better
1: for two reasons. Because Syracuse is going to get better without even trying. And and that's not Gross. really saying it's gonna be growth on the part of the players that are already there. Also, you're gonna get Owen Hills back. He was out for the entire year, and it was a disappointing year with or without Hiltz. I don't think he would have changed that, but that's huge. So you add Owen Hiltz, who, even with Dordovic, is likely the most skilled player on your team. And you bring in Joey Spolina, right? Who is supposed to be a really big deal and uh, they're giving him twenty-two and Um, We'll see what Gary Gate can do with a talent like that. And a talent like Spelina, he's already inked a historic NIL deal. So the expectations for Spelina are sky high. I don't think that Dordovic transferred away from Spelina so much as he did towards another opportunity. But I think it's actually maybe a blessing in disguise that Dordovic leaves to make room for Spelina because he's going to need the ball. And that's something that Dordovic needs as well. So – It's a new chapter of Syracuse lacrosse, and you might as well start it one year earlier than you were expecting.
0: And on the topic of Spelina, I mean, this is a guy, like you said, he's getting 22, kind of gets to rewrite the most recent history of that number, which is not pretty at all whatsoever. Uh, And he's got a chance also to rewrite the, the face of Syracuse men's lacrosse because, as we know, Syracuse women's lacrosse, Uh, they're pretty darn good. Last season went to the NCAA tournament championship game. Uh, This season won a couple games in the NCAA tournament before getting bounced in a pretty brutal loss to Northwestern. But the lacrosse program at Syracuse should be elite on both the men's and women's circuits. And the men are dropping the ball right now. And Spallina has a chance to come in, be the face of of that sport uh, and kind of take it to anybody who's hating on Syracuse men's lacrosse right now. And I think you're right that, Tucker being out of the way is going to help him out. Yeah,
1: I think that Tucker Dordovic is making the right decision for himself and the right decision for Syracuse.
0: All right, Brad, let me tell you about Bilt Bar right now. Are you a lover of brownies by any chance?
1: I do. I enjoy a good brownie every once in
0: a while. Well, you're going to be pumped to find out that Bilt Bar's got brownie batter bars. Sometimes, Brad, I can see you eating half the batter just while you're making the brownies. Imagine if you could <laughs> lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only four or seven grams of sugar. Those brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. And listen, I mean, Brad loves brownie batter more than anybody else, and he'd tell you that if I didn't have this read. True, advice. Uh, uh, if you're having these brownie batter puffs, you're going to completely forget – that you're getting protein in that bar. No need to pinch yourself, Brad. This is real life. Go to built.com to get the brownie batter, batter puffs right now. And go to built.com. use our promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah, usually
1: when someone talks about my love for brownies, it's kind of Brad slender. But, hey, despite the uh, rumors... Uh, I'm in pretty good shape now, and it's because of Bilt Bar and all that protein. But we appreciate you making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we talked a little bit about Syracuse lacrosse christened the Syracuse men's lacrosse program on this podcast. The first time that Gary Gatesquan has been talked about on Locked on Syracuse on this era of Locked on Syracuse with Matt Bonaparte. I'm Brad Klein. Very happy to be with you. Let's talk about the nitty-gritty here in the summer. It's really a recruiting podcast, typically, and that's our bread and butter. Let's talk about Syracuse basketball, Syracuse football recruiting, and we'll start, Bones, on the basketball side. Agent is a guy that... A lot of people for the 2024 cycle, four-star, top 60 prospect, I think a lot of Syracuse fans are getting excited about in terms of a prospect potentially coming over to the Hill, mostly because he's an Oak kill guy. And if you're not familiar with the Oak kill to Syracuse pipeline, Eric Devendorf, Carmelo Anthony, enough said.
0: Yeah. Uh, th- I mean, like Vince, you say. Yeah, Judah Mintz as well. I was trying to think of who the recent guy was, Judah. Uh, I mean, a four-star forward would be very nice. Um, And I think that a lot of people immediately get their hopes up when they see something like that. Ooh, shiny Uh, four-star forward, I'd like that. But let's not forget what Benny Williams was in his freshman season. And I'm not saying Benny Williams isn't going to turn out to be a really good player for the Orange, but I am saying that Forwards, especially in the recruiting cycle, can be such fickle kind of uh, uh, recruits because you never really know what you're going to get. And in terms of uh, development, it can be a lot slower than you'd want. And what teams want is for guys to come in and make an immediate impact, and that's what I think Syracuse thought they were getting in Benny Williams, and I think that's what the fan base thought they were getting in Benny Williams. The four-star, five-star that was supposed to save the program – this last season and add that athleticism and that shooting and that dunking capability that I think everybody thought he was going to have. And then he came in and pretty much had none of that. Uh, He had the athleticism. I think we talked about many times on different publications, Brad, that he was the most athletic player on the team. And I stick by that. He absolutely was, but he didn't have any of the shooting. He didn't have the capability to drive to the bucket. And I'm not saying that AJ Swinton's the same player, but I am saying that when it comes to these, four-star, five-star guys that sound so great on paper. They go to the right school, Oak Hill, uh, and on—and on, and you hear from all the scouts that they have all the right skills they could show up and be a dud freshman year.
1: Yeah, I understand the apprehensions when you hear four-star wing potentially coming to Syracuse. The funny thing is, I haven't been extremely impressed with him when you look at what he's actually done on the floor, but where he's been is the impressive part. He's at Oak Hill now, and he transferred to O'Kill from Dematha in Maryland and we know wow. about all of the uh, really strong NBA players uh, Kevin Durant Kevin Durant being one of them that started at Dematha. So I get it, I get the excitement, I get the hype, but you look at what he's done on the floor and in his uh, great, he's a sophomore. In his sophomore season at Dematha, he went for just over 7 points, uh, nearly 6 rebounds and over an assist per game. Defensively, he's exciting because he'll give you an, a, a block and, and a steal. Essentially, that's what he's going to give you. He's a six-six wing. And, and the funny thing is, in the 2-3 zone, he might project differently. Well, Let's say he goes to Syracuse in 2024. We don't know what the Orange are going to need because we don't know how the class of 2022 is going to shape up on the floor and off the floor. Who's going to still be there from 2022? Is Judah Minto one and done? We don't know. So... We also don't know it's, if Beheim's still going to be there. He, we don't know. It's, a, it's so many unanswered questions. That being said, you're talking about him as a wing. I don't know if he's even a wing in the two-three zone. He might be. That's fair. He might be a two. At six and, foot six, I and mean, Syracuse has had plenty of point guards at six foot six. So you t- start talking about him as a
0: three or even a four. It's hard to imagine. And at the end of last season, just to throw this in. We saw Syracuse play man-to-man for a decent part of the game against Duke in the ACC tournament, uh, and we heard Beheim post-game say that he's going to start taking things a lot more matchup-based. Whatever he thinks teams are, whatever he thinks his team is going to do best against another team, he's going to throw out there. Uh, and in the age of the new free agency transfer portal, you see guys come in and make a lot less of an impact in their first seasons than they usually did because they had that full year to kind of grasp the system and and figure things out. That's why Cole Swider seemingly never figured out the 2-3 zone. It was like every time out there he was just shook by the opposing offense and couldn't quite figure out where to uh, make his rotation or when to move, when to switch. He he never figured it out. Um, And I think you, you do have to give him some fault there, but understand that. He had to come in and be expected to play one of the most difficult defenses in the country. So there's that as well. But anyway, uh, my point being is that you don't know necessarily whether or not by 2024 Syracuse is going to be running the 2-3 zone as much as they are right now. Likely they are. I mean, if I had to put a bet on it, I'd still say they're going to play it 99% of the time. Um, But we saw a change this year for the first time in a long time uh, in more frequency than we saw in a long time.
1: Been talking here about Syracuse basketball and recruiting down the line. AJ Swinton is a four-star wing that has some early offers from Maryland, from Georgetown, Xavier, and Virginia Tech, among others. And there are some rumors that Syracuse should get involved. Oak Hill guy, Syracuse line there. Damatha, pretty impressive roots from that high school in Maryland. So we'll see down the line if we start talking about AJ Swinton with more momentum going forward. But let's shift, shift over to Syracuse football recruiting. And I think some exciting things going on, more substantial things going on for the Orange on the football side, because Fatim Diggs has received an offer from Dino Babers in the Orange, and that's a pass rusher who could be huge going forward when you start talking about the class of 2024 on the gridiron.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny about juxtaposition of basketball and football is when I hear the basketball teams going after a four-star, I'm incredibly apprehensive, and I don't know if I'm going to buy in. When I hear that the football team's going after a four-star, it's like, finally, (laughs) Dino's doing it. He's doing it. (laughs) So it's pretty exciting to see. And I'm not saying if a team digs is going to go out there and be Jadeveon Clowney, but at least they're going after a guy that he's a top-20 edge of the nation. I mean, that's a little bit exciting. All right, you're but, a but here's the thing, though. Here's the State thing. going after this guy. So,
1: okay, yeah. So, Fatim Diggs, I understand, right? There are some really good schools, let's be frank, better programs than Syracuse going after a guy like Fatim Diggs. But these are the recruits that Dino Babers needs to get. These are the recruits that Dino yeah. Babers was hired by himself. Syracuse to get. He's a recruits guy. He's a player's coach. So you bring him in to get – the Fatim Diggs's of the world. And I'm talking about Fatim Diggs specifically. Here's why. I mean, yeah, a lot to like. Six-foot-three, 220, four-star edge rusher. But he's from New Jersey. He's from Camden. That's your neck of the woods. If he's going to stay New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, then Syracuse has to be at the top of his list. And he can do whatever he wants. He can go wherever he wants. He wants to go to Ole Miss. I understand But Syracuse is the only Power 5 program in the state of New York It wants to stay close. If he does, then it
0: needs to be Syracuse. Has to be. Well, I think you're absolutely right that this is the kind of guy that Babers needs to go out and get. But if you're a, a top 20 edge in the 2024 class, Brad, and you're from Camden, New Jersey, I think that Penn State and Syracuse are incomparable. I mean, if you're staying close to home, Penn State's not too far away. Well, okay, um, uh, let's break it down even further. Rutgers? Yeah?
1: Rutgers is a program that I would classify as better than Syracuse, and, I mean, maybe that's staying too close to home. I don't, I don't know, know about that. I, hey, Rutgers just beat Syracuse, and who would you rather have? Be honest. It's or Dino Babers?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's not a that's not a question that the Syracuse fan wants to answer, but I'll take Shiano every day of the week. Yeah, so
1: I – I don't think it's a stretch to say that Rutgers right now is in a better state than Syracuse. And historically, yeah, Syracuse is good a really long time ago, but Rutgers might have a deeper history book than Syracuse, as crazy as that might be to even think about. So, look, I, I don't know. I don't know if Syracuse is going to get the team digs or anyone else in the four-star category. All I know is it's time. It's time. He's Dino Babers has been – Given excuses to make, and and now the clock is ticking,
0: and it needs to happen yeah, now. I agree with you. I think he has. These are the kind of guys he has to get. Uh, but I also don't think that him getting Fatim Diggs, like, makes him like. I don't think he's going to give him that much credit. He has to put together a class of a decent amount of guys like Fatim Diggs that are four stars, top twenty in there respective position and maybe a couple of guys from around the area one guy is not going to get it done because here's the thing he's done this a couple of times the four-star tommy devito four-star deuce chestnut you get one more four-star in the next couple of years it just follows the pattern of one four-star every two or three years he's gonna if he's gonna get the the respect of me and the rest uh, of the fandom in terms of recruiting you've got to put together a class with multiple four stars. Uh, And multiple guys from around the area that are actually going to make a difference. Because it's one thing to pick up guys from the Tri-State or or Northeastern kind of region. Any kind of difference. But how about a class of guys that are going to make a difference that are at that level? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Look, at
1: the end of the day, it comes down to winning football games. And Dino Babers hasn't done that when it really counts. I.e. not 2018 and in November. He just hasn't won enough games in November. So we'll see. We'll see if he, if he gets team Diggs. I will say if he got a Fatim Diggs, uh, and, and there are other guys, and we'll talk about briefly, but if you get a Fatim Diggs, an elite edge rusher, a guy from your neck of the woods, your recruiting area, and you're able to keep him home, so to speak, that will buy you time because if I'm John Wildhack, I'm watching that program like a hawk, and I'm thinking
0: to myself, ah, John Wildeck is a, not watching the program like a hawk. Why not? They just went I, five and seven, one and ten, and five and seven, and nothing's changed pretty much. Right, he ain't right, should, that so, like but that's a what
1: dog. I'm saying. Right now, I'm watching that program very closely, and I'm asking myself, can we benefit from a new regime? Because right now, the job is not getting accomplished by Dino Babers. We're running out of time well, sure, to open the yeah. records, but let's talk a bit about about something a little bit more uh, current, and that's the class of 2023, wide receiver Josh Richards scheduling a visit to the Hill. That's coming up, and that's something that we talked about actually uh, last week about how the wide receiver room is extremely shallow, but as we know in college sports, especially college football, your strength becomes your weakness, your weakness becomes your strength. Yeah, it's a shallow wide receiver room right now, but they have some youth and they have some athleticism and they have some potential, thinking of a guy like Amari Hatcher. And if they're able to get a guy like Josh Richards and continue to plant that seed, then the receivers
0: could be pretty good going forward, but they have to land Richards. You think adding Josh Richards makes it like that much better of a wide receiver room? Not not instantly. Of
1: course not. But I'm just saying, you think about the underclassmen that are going to get reps this year. Sure, I
0: guess you get a bit of a, a young core. Yeah. but. I don't know. It's been a very, like, hit-or-miss kind of thing with Syracuse wide receivers. Like, is this guy going to show up and, and, and be someone talented? He's currently unranked by 24-7, so not a lot to go off of there. Or, or is he going to show up and be, like, Ed Hendricks, and we're going to hear all about him for so long, and then he's just going to, like, break Andre Cisco's leg and then, like, leave?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think, Josh. Richards will be breaking any uh, any defensive backs' legs anytime soon. Oh, no. but we it, didn't think Ed Hendricks would either. He didn't think that would happen. He tore that bad. ACL. He did. That was, was pretty brutal. But, hey, it's happened. You, it's over. Syracuse <laughs> football, Syracuse basketball recruiting audit. Now, Bones, let me tell you a little bit about Rock Auto because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models – It's now possible for you and your local chain, your auto parts store, to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I I have no idea. And wait, while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry, heck no. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket you save time you save money when you use rock auto why choose to spend 30 50 even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership for example my father honda odyssey fuel pump 353 from a chain store 216 from rock auto and he used the extra money to buy me some Built Bar Brownie Batter Puffs. So that was pretty good, too. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. The website, just go to rockauto.com and type in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box, right locked on, so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
0: All right, Brad, it is time to continue our depth chart series. If you don't know, Brad and I have been giving you guys a positional group and breaking down their depth chart. Of course, we're talking gridiron here some football. Uh, I believe we've done quarterback, wide receiver, and defensive line. I think we swap trenches and we hop over to the offensive line, Brad. Uh, The offensive line this season is pretty interesting. Um, because you really have a year in which Matthew Bergeron kind of just gets to be the guy, and there's nobody in his way at all whatsoever. He just gets to be awesome. Uh, what a steal he's really been, coming in as a guy that I think there were pretty much tons of question marks around and has just grown into this incredible offensive lineman that gets every PFF accolade in the book. Um, he's the only guy, other than Chris Blyke and Carlos Vettorello, that I'm really any, pretty much somewhat confident in. Uh and it's hard. Dakota Davis was hurt
1: covers. last year. So I look, the Syracuse offensive line is so funny. I, I will say I'm not nearly as high on Bergeron as you are. I used to be, but I've jumped ship. He's really? been a left tackle. Yeah, because he was a left tackle freshman year. Um there were some injury no. concerns. Yeah, well, oh, excuse me, sophomore year. He he played some left tackle his freshman year, took over the starting job last. Yeah, sophomore year, and
0: you got to so, tell the listeners what sophomore year is. it is the one in ten season, or the five, in, the first five and seven year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, but here's my thing about that. So
1: he's first been the left tackle for a long time, and he's been the left tackle on a garbage offensive line. You can tell me about the PFFs and whatever the the no, awards he gets.
0: On. You can't. You cannot. First of all, you cannot indict him on his freshman year play. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying he's bad. He's
1: he's struggling because of his freshman year play. I'm saying he wasn't on the team in 2019. No, 2020, no, no. 2020, 2020 I'm year. talking about. Okay. But what I'm saying is he's been the left tackle for a while now, it feels like. And there hasn't yeah. been an extremely uh, huge amount of improvement. But the oh, thing I disagree. Is with, so with Bergeron, though, I kind of feel like he's the left tackle for sure. And it does serve him well that, like you mentioned, say, Aaron Service isn't there anymore. So he is the guy. He was the guy last year, but no doubt about it, no matter what happens, he's the left tackle. I'm looking at a guy like Dakota Davis because he was hurt for most of last year. So the fact that he's going to be healthy and the fact that he will likely be the starting right tackle on the other side of the offensive line, I think that changes the offensive line for Syracuse.
0: You think it's better or worse?
1: Better, yeah. They had to patch some holes and play a guy like Josh Iloa. I have no
0: faith in Dakota Davis. And I actually, I like Josh Iloa from what we saw last year.
1: But he I wasn't he was ready. Good. He, he,
0: he, he was wasn't fine. ready, but he played well when he played. Yeah. He, he, yeah and he that was, gives me a lot of fine faith in the future. I think he's he going to get fine. better.
1: Yeah, he's going to get better. There there are some things to like about this offensive line. And once again, injuries were a problem. You think of like Chris Bleich had to go through so much just to play. Uh, two years ago, and, and he didn't get to, and he gets to play last year, or whatever, and whatever, um, I feel like now the offensive line is ready to perform. It's been a few years of loading. They've been garbage for the past few years. They were terrible. Every season that Tommy DeVito was really getting Yeah, but I think that abs. was
0: DeVito's fault more than was the offensive line. Maybe, so and, and we can argue I that. I stand but by that.
1: Okay, but you can – so you can stand by Tommy DeVito was not a good quarterback
0: and Tommy DeVito did not
1: evade pressure well. I get it, but you can't argue that the offensive line was good in front of him. I mean, it was a bad offensive line. I think that it was
0: way better than it got credit. And I was somebody who ripped it at the time and only realized later on – I only realized it in the season that – or like last year or what – no, I guess it was 2020 when he got hurt, when DeVito got hurt, the 1-10 in year. Uh, I only realized it then because Culpepper got sacked way less than DeVito did. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he so, did. Well, he got I the ball DeVito out a lot quicker. Yeah, that's the point, though.
1: Yeah. DeVito no, no, just no. stood
0: there and waited I, for the defenders to take him I down. I get it.
1: I get it. And, and whether you will support Tommy DeVito or not, the offensive line has been one of the weaknesses throughout the past few years. I'll be surprised if you disagree with me there. The offensive line is no, bad. I don't bad. It's been loading for the past few years, and now you look at it. Dakota Davis is healthy, and he's a redshirt senior. Good, and you got a guy like Matthew Bergeron who's been getting impact snaps for a long time now. It's his time to perform. Uh, Carlos Vettorello has been getting a lot of time. Kalan Ellis will be a guard and a starting guard, and he's going to be the youngest guy on the offensive line. So, and Chris Bleich, of course, the insert for immediate production, hit the ground running, come from the SEC, and just block the heck out of guys. Now it's time for the offensive line to perform, and I really don't think that there is anyone uh, behind that starting core that is really going to compete for playing time outside Disagree, of Josh, yeah, Josh Iloa. Iloa, is
0: good, dude. Iloa is good. Like
1: I said, I just said, outside of Josh Iloa, oh, okay. right? So Iloa is interesting. So we start talking about depth chart, and you've got your core, right? iloa could be on either side of the center inside as a guard i actually think that there's a chance he is a center going forward carlos vetarello seems like a a weak link to me
0: sure uh we're actually out of time brad but uh, i will just fire off the last depth chart that i think we agree on bergeron at left tackle ellis at left guard vetarello at center Blake right guard and dakota davis on the opposing tackle to Bergeron at right tackle. Do we agree on that? Yes. Okay. Thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today, and I'll make your second listen the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Brad and I will see you next time.